Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative. And today I'm excited to share with you this interview that I've been wanting to do for a very, very long time. And I know that I say I'm excited by most of my podcasts, but this one in particular is something that I've been wanting to do. And Emika, the founder of this brand, Loco Love Chocolate, which is my favorite chocolate, um, is based here in Byron Bay where I'm spending my isolation time. So we managed to catch up amongst our busy schedules last week and have a chat about how she built the brand, where the idea came from, and how she's built it into a global sensation with a what seems like effortless growth in her business. Emika is an incredibly inspiring woman, and amongst having a baby and building the company from working in her kitchen, making chocolate without any branding or packaging, um, to being stocked globally in incredible branding and packaging and the story behind what she does is so inspiring and for more and more so what I'm realizing is that businesses that are booming and thriving and you know have these big Instagram followings and all of these successes behind all of them is a determined passionate entrepreneur who has a clear idea of where they want to go a willingness to do whatever it takes to get there um, and a deep sense of passion, purpose and Emika exemplifies that beautifully in the way that she talks about running her business, hiring her team, being a mum, working with her partner. Um, everything that she does comes from such a deep sense of passion, purpose and an extension of herself and everything that she lives and breathes in her personal life. Um, I was incredibly inspired by the idea and where it came from and the journey that she went on to to find that clarity to, to come up with this idea and to keep evolving and growing and bettering it. And she's still doing that today. So I'll leave you to it. Enjoy the interview. And I look forward to hearing um, what you think. We're actually going to do a giveaway with this one as well. So if you like the interview and you share it on your Instagram stories, Um, Be sure to tag Startup Creative and Loco Love Chocolate and you'll go in the running to win a nice big bundle of chocolate that we'll send out to you. Happy listening, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming into our little Byron abode here. It's lovely to have you. Thank you for having me. I might just get you to start off with introducing yourself and your business name and, yeah, what do you actually do? Um, hi everyone, my name is Emika. I am the founder of a chocolate company called Loco Love. We make artisan chocolate magic, so we make chocolate that's good for you and we also use tonic herbs and spices and all different magical things and make really delicious vegan chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we just we want to spread love and we do that through chocolate. I love it. Chocolate is one of my favorite foods. And when my I was growing up, my mum will always say, like, Kaylin, you always had chocolate in your hands. And like, if I'm ever having a bad day, my girlfriend's like, here's chocolate. <laughs> Just, it's definitely a staple in my diet. But what I was so inspired about interviewing you and what I love about your brand is that 
it is the vegan, healthy, medicinal, beauty, like, goodness, but it's beautifully designed, so you naturally want to pick it off the shelves, and it tastes absolutely delicious. Like, you've really nailed healthy chocolate Thank in you. a delicious format, Thanks. which is very hard to find, surprisingly. Yeah, it's quite hard, actually. Yeah. Lots of um, trial and error, and also, I'm a bit of a foodie, so yeah. I wanted to, like, make something that tasted as good as the real, the, yeah. the real chocolate, but, like... Yeah, I um I love food and being in the kitchen and stuff. So yeah, and I also want to be healthy and have the best quality ingredients and stuff in my mm-hmm. world and not too much sugar and yeah. So then local love kind of yeah made a business born. out of it. <laughs> yeah, somehow <laughs> <laughs> the chocolate queen. Um, so let's kick off with like what were you doing before local love? Like how did you? Let's tell a bit of your journey as to how you got to this spot because I know you've had quite a few different careers and. We're just chatting about your love of design and fashion and yeah. Yeah. So I guess it is a long story. I, um, after high school, I actually studied fashion design for a few years and started my own label and, um, just realized that that wasn't really what I could see myself doing for the, for the long term because the impact it was having on the planet. And also I just, I didn't feel the world needed another. Um, piece of clothing but I then started modeling how long did you do your fashion line for um about three years yeah wow. yeah so we got investment and we pursued that wow. and then I don't know it just it did was did you shut it down or sell it well I kind of just moved country actually. <laughs> <laughs> up and left it pretty much yeah I um it was it was really fun and and great, but I just just wasn't sitting with my morals, which I just found I don't know. Growing up in Byron, and I had these really um, deep ingrained morals about you know doing things in in harmony with the planet and you know all that stuff. <laughs> so and then somehow I fell into modeling, um, which didn't really which I which was great for traveling and meeting amazing people and everything. And now looking back, I wish I had a different perspective of it because mm. it was such a great experience and I guess yeah I, I wasn't quite present when I was doing it I um yeah and then mm. I guess through through modeling I really lost my way and ended up pretty miserable mm. so then um was drawn to I guess healing modalities mm. such as naturopathy so that's how I ended up being I studied to become a naturopath because I thought the world needed um, some healing and also with um, I loved plants and herbal mm. medicine and nutrition and all of Did that. Did you grow up like that? Like was that instilled in you or is that just... No, not at all, which is strange coming from Byron. Mm. I was pretty like standard kind of – we were pretty poor, so we didn't, we didn't really have access to that kind of thing. Mm. And I guess when you're going through kind of like a – a healing journey you feel really drawn to that and it really does help mm. you and I I wanted to be you know able to offer that to other people um studied for three years I think maybe three and a half years or four years that's to become a qualified naturopath started working in that and then uh wasn't fulfilled again <laughs> like I loved it but I just I couldn't see myself sitting one-on-one with people because I was doing it and I just felt this overwhelming responsibility for others, which was I felt maybe I was a little bit young for. Mm. So I How old were you then? I think like twenty seven, Saturn return. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so yeah, I 
I just didn't feel fully fulfilled. And mm. I was like, okay, there's got to be something else. And then I, start, I started meditating actually and, you know, yeah, um, just like really digging deep within myself, like what do I want? Because I was just always asking myself, like what, what can I offer? You know, what do I really want to do? And I just I couldn't settle until I kind of found that. But the weirdest thing is I kind of like stopped searching and then I had, you know, was was being more present, just kind of being more, you know, in my body, not overthinking everything, trying to work everything out, reading every book, like writing mm. lists, trying to like and then Loco Love in kind of journey, found I'm me. I'm intrigued by that journey because I feel like there's probably a lot of people who, you know, are in their nine to fives or careers that they don't love and they start to get that niggling and they're just like, is there more or can I do this forever? It's like, what were some of the things, if you're open to sharing, like what were some of the books or did you do courses or therapy? Uh, or? I did. Well, I became a naturopath, so yeah. I guess that was part of it. That was like healing healing myself and healing others and learning you know, about nutrition and about mental health and about mm. all that. And then books-wise, I don't know any specific book, but it was more like Googling things, yeah. like, I don't know, or just like what is my purpose? So just asking myself that all the yeah. time, like what is my purpose? Why am I here? Like surely I'm here for something other than this, even though I, being a naturopath was quite a, a great choice for me. Yeah. And then, Did you have yeah, kind know. of meditation practice? Did I you was going to mention. Yeah. yeah, so I – um, Vedic meditation, so transcendental meditation. Yeah. So I started practicing that, practicing that pretty religiously. Got really into I don't know business podcasts and also like Tim Ferriss. Yeah. and was dating a guy at the time who was really had was an entrepreneur, and I hadn't really been shown that you could do that. Like I was like, oh okay, so it's not. This actually looks kind of easy. Like mm-hmm. watching him do it, and and listening to um, other people doing it I can't yeah I wish I could remember more of the books but I can't remember yeah I remember going on that journey too and I was just being like I'm like I got really um burnt out in my career and threw myself into Tony Robbins and Tim (laughs) Ferriss and four-hour work yeah yeah. eventually kind of tapered off into a bit of a more holistic business because I feel like that's very oh yeah it definitely burns you out especially as a as a woman it's it's pretty masculine energy yeah and and it's like I love America and I have great friends in America and you know they and I've spent a bit of time there but like in the experience I had in New York it's people like it's no wonder people like Tim Ferriss and Tony Robbins and that come out of it because they're it's that country holds that vibration Mm. of intensity especially New York yeah yeah Yeah. I was feeling really drawn to move to New York because I was I liked that vibration like Mm. I liked the like go 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 but then yeah it's not forever yeah I feel like I was the same I've been like oh this is I can't sustain this level of intensity totally but it's good to get you when – because I think what happened to me, it sounds like similar to you, it's like it opens a door and I think I was the same. Like no one ever told me I could be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And then as yeah. soon as you're like, you can create the life of your dreams, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do I want, you know? And then you – I think, you know, we even chatted before that we started recording of like, all right, if you want it bad enough. Yeah, yeah. well, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's not easy, I guess, mm-hmm. but if you want it bad enough, you're going to make it happen. Yeah. And I guess I don't know where we're up in the story. So you started but, um you were throwing yourself into learning entrepreneurship. Oh yeah, that's right. And I also yeah. started Loco Love at the same time actually. Well I was working as an naturopath and a and a guy, a customer, just randomly came in and mm. was like, Oh, you look you look like you should be somewhere else. Like you don't seem fulfilled by this job and I was like, 
yeah, I, I do like my job, but yeah, I guess I could. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll pay you. You can write me a book mm. about, you know, recipes and healthy living and all about your herb and, and stuff. And all, you can also make some like sort of healthy treats for me to sell in my distribution company and you can work for me. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> so I went off, was like having, cause I also love writing. So I was like, yes, dream job. I can just write this book and then, um, yeah make some treats and he bought me like food processor and all these ingredients and stuff how amazing what synchronicity yeah to have that person. and that, that's when all the synchronicities started to kind of happen like I just seemed to be in the right place at the right time for for many yeah. years which was I love that there was a story because I think sometimes people try to work out their purpose from the mind yeah you can't yeah and it's like you have to do the deep inner work yeah and you have to go to burnout or um, not you don't have to go to burnout, but it, like you, yeah, you, you have to have some sort of breaking. Yeah, I, I definitely had a few breaking points, and <laughs> <laughs> but like not because I was burnt out, just because I was like really searching. But then, when as you said, when I stopped mm. searching, then it kind of came to me, which was mm. a paradox. Which I guess I'm so intrigued. Like I, I don't know it well, but I would like to study it and understand it. I'm really intrigued for my future in startup creative of like. Yeah, can we all as humans go to that inner world and go, why Why am I on this planet? I think so we can. And yeah, I think we definitely can. And I think that's what this whole COVID situation is maybe giving people a, a chance, like as hard as it is for a lot of people to, mm-hmm. to really feel that and, you know, work out what they really want mm-hmm. and what they can contribute and what the world needs yeah. and not what other people are telling them that they need or what they should do and yeah, because I think if people, if you do something that the world needs, not that like obviously the world doesn't need more chocolate, but <laughs> the world chocolate is a great thing. But like I guess I, what does the world need? I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's I always ask myself that. Even when making business decisions now, I'm like, okay, so we want to make a new product. What do people actually want? What yeah. do people need? Like that's a great a piece of advice for people at home. It's like coming back and and starting with why are we existing as a business rather than like I want to do this. You know, yeah, it's all about you. Well, yeah, it's not about you at all. It's about your customers and you know the service you're providing. Because mm. if people aren't, if they don't need your service, then it is you don't really have a business, unfortunately. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's fabulous advice. Yeah. So you, so you're working with this guy. You're writing yeah, so, a book. Did you write a book? Yeah, kind of. Well, it wasn't really a book. It was yeah. like a bunch of recipes and yeah. a lot of different things on alkaline diet and organic food and yeah. sprouting and vibration and all different mm. sorts of things, which was which was really fun. And I never released it. I just kind of kept it still sitting there. Mm. One day I would like to write a book. Yeah. Have but. Yeah, maybe in the future when I have a little bit more space. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he found me, Local Love found me, and then, yeah, I couldn't come up with a name. So so you started producing – did he tell you to do recipes? Like he encouraged you? Yeah, he encouraged me to do recipes. Yeah. And then I – so I made I made one recipe, which was the coconut chocolate. Mm-hmm. So I made a bunch of, like, raw balls. This is in 2013 as well. Yeah, wow. So I made a bunch of, like, you know, a, a mulberry and lemon raw ball or whatever, like – and they just – I don't know, they just weren't – I just didn't feel, um, I don't know, drawn to more raw bars. At the time there was no, like, raw kind of date bars and stuff, which yeah. there's a lot now. But the chocolate really seemed romantic and, I don't know, I liked the the idea of it. So the chocolate I made was the coconut chocolate. Yeah. So I just 
I actually made it home, which mm. was probably not legal, but I did get insurance <laughs> and all of that. And then just I just made that, and then we I started selling it to shops through. He had like a distribution company, so he was I was kind of selling it to him, and then he was selling it, yeah, making it a bit of a margin on it, which was also strange because I was making it and selling it, but um, yeah, and he was somehow involved, but. He was encouraging me and, you know, giving me lots of advice and taught me about relationships with customers and how business is basically just a relationship mm. with your customers. So really work on that. So I, I actually learned quite a lot from him. And, yeah, it kind of just grew from there. I was still working full time. Like I was still working at as the time. As a naturopath. Yeah. And So when you – because I think this is, you know, obviously a startup creative community. I'm really big on helping people to pull down, like, the exact things, you know. So it's like you're at home, you're playing around with these recipes, you're natural foodie anyway, you're a naturopath with, you know, someone's kind of encouraged you in this space. Um, how did you – like, did you test the recipes with people that were like, this is delicious or – um, Well, kind of, I guess, yes. Yeah. And, and with myself a lot <laughs> and people close to me. Yep. Though I guess even when I was a kid, I loved making recipes mm. and I've always, yeah, I've always been into making recipes and never into following recipes. Mm. So yes, I tested them, but I guess selling them and they just were selling out like yeah. nonstop. So I guess that kind of spoke for itself and then just slowly got more and more stores slowly like, mm. but the business started with like a product. So I didn't have a name for the business at this right. point it was just like this chocolate covered coconut thing <laughs> that was kind of available and did you who did you packaging like what have you so there was no packaging so yeah. it's just kind of selling it in <laughs> oh like in the health food shop yeah so yeah in the fridge yeah yeah right. and then I couldn't come up with a name I wanted I came up with like a bunch of different names so then yeah I I asked a friend or kind of a friend to come up with some names and that she sent me a list of different names and local love was on there. And then I was like, Oh, that, I love that. That sounds, that sounds awesome. And then I don't know, the business kind of has been so backwards and such a weird <laughs> way to start a business. Cause it was more like I came up with a product and then, then realized the purpose of it. And then the name came and then like, it all kind of fell into place as I was doing it. Yeah. It wasn't like, okay, I've got this mission. This is what I'm going to do. It was like, did you have a business plan? No, <laughs> I love that. No, I think sometimes, like you know, as a business coach, people come to me. Oh, when's the right time to get coaching? Or when should I start or launch? Or send that email and ask that person or whatever. And it's like sometimes the best business ideas come from just doing it. Yeah, yeah, doing is definitely the best way to learn. Yeah, and did yeah. you have a so at that point? Were you was it a big expense? Like was there no? It was just like no. Well, not at all, because I guess the best thing about the business I chose was it's got a quick turnaround. So you mm-hmm. kind of like you make the things, you deliver them the next day, you get paid. Mm-hmm. So with that allowed it to, you know, just kind of create an income since the yeah, beginning. So it wasn't too many overheads. Yeah, which is the awesome thing about. And then when you were getting it in shops, were you asking, were you just like door knocking? Like, hey, will you buy my chocolate? <laughs> well, not so much. We like I, I know that's like the number one tip of business is to work and you know on sales and do sales. I guess we still don't really do sales. Like I guess most of our customers come to, through us either through social media, mm-hmm. which is I guess sales, yeah. or word of mouth, yeah, which cool. is so good. And then so that's where you got your stockets too. 
Yes. Yeah, awesome. Well, people I knew yeah. and then from there people contacting me. Yeah. Which obviously kept keeps overheads down too because, yeah, and I guess I have approached a few different shops over the years mm. but it never worked for me. And then like, well, it, it, it does. They're like, oh, yeah, we love you, bro, And then, I don't know, sometimes they didn't take it and then three months later they'll be like calling me, oh, where's that product? We love it. <laughs> like they've seen it somewhere else and then, then they suddenly want it, which is yeah. – Especially at the moment, we have like so many stores contacting us like every day. It's it's crazy. Like I don't know how it what happened. Do you, what do you think the key is? Like I look at that and I'm like, when you when you produce something that's actually great, then it sells itself. Ah, uh, yeah. Do you reckon? <laughs> well, why did it work? Why are you getting think- your chocolate everywhere and then there's people at home making their bliss balls and can't sell? I think, well, at first the product wasn't great mm-hmm. at all, but then I became obsessive to make it great. So I studied, you know, chocolate making, not not officially studied chocolate making, but I got some help with other people that were better at making chocolate than me. I went on YouTube, I bought textbooks, like oh. I became obsessed with making good chocolate. So actually it was – that was the hardest part because chocolate is – um quite hard to make actually Mm. and like it has tempering it correctly and the different I had so much struggle actually from making it like kind of like an at-home thing to then making it you know a packageable sit on the shelf with a shelf life like that definitely was a very steep and a hard learning curve that brought me to tears like many times but I was like I've got to do this like I've just got to work it out yeah I guess I'm very determined as a person yeah always kind of have been I even like just complete side note I used to make a lot of raw chocolate treats and things and it's actually very hard to do it without a tasting horrible but be like it melting and you know um yeah yeah which I had to learn from making it at home into like sharing a kitchen and I was sharing a kitchen in a place that was like terrible for making mm-hmm. chocolate. So realized that like it was all damp and, you know, cold, like not quite right. So I had to like change everything. Like I had to find a new space, had to get the temperature correct, had to like the humidity had to be correct. Like it's such a fine art, which yeah. I didn't know. And I had to learn everything really quickly. <laughs> now you're a chocolate maker. Huh? And yeah, but it was, it was hard. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and frustrating because so frustrating that you'd be like, okay, why has the chocolate suddenly got white spots? But, like, yeah. yeah. And especially as you grow, you have to maintain your consistency. Yeah. You're not just this small little buying brand with yeah. no packaging anymore. Exactly, yeah. which is a lot of steep learning curves. Even about the how, to, how do we package this thing? Like it's yeah. not kind of like a traditional chocolate, but it's not, you know, an at-home chocolate. So yeah. that's even now. Like we have so many ideas to do different recipes and stuff, but – they, you know, they have to sit on the shelf. They have to be packaged. They have to stay stable at this temperature mm-hmm. and they've got to, you know, stay fresh. So it does hold us back a little bit, but yeah. um, there's a lot of learning. Do, yeah. you, do, do you think your ideas, like all your um, – where you kind of shifted into that I'm really going to learn this skill set came from the demand of like was that – when did it uh, – Yes, it was from the demand and it was also – um, just because I wanted to know and I wanted to make the best product, mm. I guess. And because I, I had, you know, quit everything else and local love was my number one priority. Mm. So I, ha- I had to make it work. Like yeah. I, 
I'd actually, at that point, I'd, I'd le- just left Sydney. This is like three years ago. Moved to Byron, had my own commercial space and was like, okay, I've got to sort this out. Like, yeah. it has to be this good. And then I'm comparing myself to like the best chocolate in the world. Like mm. going, okay, it's got to be that good or else there's just no point doing it. Yeah. And it's, we'll get there eventually. Like, no, it's already delicious. It's good, but I've always, I'm always setting the benchmark a little bit higher for myself. Which and is th- good and bad. Yeah, and I think that's actually a really good lesson for people listening at home. It's like don't do things half-assed, you know. Like if you want a business that's going to be sustainable and successful and, and scalable, like you have to give it your all and really hone in on it. Yeah, which I did. I, I guess I, I have been quite obsessed with it and have, you know, dedicated so much time and energy mm-hmm. and, you know, money to learn and now, even now, like we've outgrown our current space and we need to move into a bigger space and we need to buy a bigger tempering machine and a bigger equipment. And, you know, you don't want to make the wrong decision at that point because you can destroy your business, yeah. <laughs> which is which is a little bit stressful when you're a little bit inexperienced with it. So I yeah. guess even – and because it's like not a traditional product, it's hard to find external help. So you've really got to research and like – I spend my nights looking at chocolate machinery like with my (laughs) husband like it's not very romantic but um, not fashion shopping anymore (laughs) no like looking at big cooling tunnels and all sorts of funny stuff which I yeah I think like we we were just chatting about cheese because my partner and they import specialty cheese um but it's you know when we I spent a bit of time with them in France when they were outsourcing their cheeses and going to the dairies and Mm. um the affineurs, I think they're called, where they make the cheese. But, you know, it's like it's very similar in yeah. like getting the textures and the taste and the, um, you know, all of that. But I guess the difference is that most of those cheesemakers, they've been handed down that skill set that's been, yeah. you know, around for centuries. So That would be handy right now. <laughs> that would be quite handy. It saved me some time reading textbooks. Yeah. Like I've, I've got really fat textbooks that I sit there trying to study like – different ingredients and different that. it's pretty hilarious i think i mean it definitely shows in your business right because you've got that really elite brand and product that does stand out and i think mm. that's also the hard one of the hardest things is like if it's not been done before you don't have a reference yeah brand. that's the most that's the i guess but that's also a strength because mm. a lot of other people aren't going to have the dedication to sit there at, you know, 10 o'clock at night and read a 2,000-page textbook, not because I read 2,000 pages. I kind of skip through it and try and find information quickly because I, I can be a little impatient. Yeah. Where did you get that? Have you always been like that? Do you think that's a natural skill set? Uh, yeah. Because you found your passion. No, I've always – even when I was trying to find my purpose, I was, yeah. like, you know, journaling and reading things and just, like – uh, yeah, I'm pretty determined. And even even when I was a kid, I, I did martial arts like six nights a week, like for two yeah. hours a night. And yeah, cool. I got my black belt and then I was like, okay. I'm, I'm just a bit of a high achiever and a bit of a um, – I'm pretty focused, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's fabulous for those at home who are going, oh, could I start a business or do I want to? It's like, well, yeah, you need to know that it all looks like it's so – I think this is what I'm passionate about with Startup Creative and our podcast and our magazine. It's like um, it's so easy to, you know, see somebody on Instagram mm. and go, 
wow, they're so lucky, look at their dream, they're so smart or, you know, they've got investment behind them or, you know. Yeah, it's definitely not luck. No. It can be, you know, the right product at the right time, which I think Loco Love was, mm. but it's it's drive and determination and hard bloody work and hard work like it it, i was working you know 16 hours a day like i still work even with you know being a mother like right i guess since having my son i have stepped back a little bit but still it's always on my mind i can never separate myself from the company Mm. which is a good thing and a bad thing i guess yeah it means you never switch off you never switch off which you dream about it yeah. Well, I do switch. I have actually had to switch off like this week because after East and Easter and Mother's Day, and we had our biggest month ever in April, which was Amazing. so weird with everything that's going on. Everyone's so, chocolate in lockdown. Yeah, it was so busy, and we weren't expecting it. So I was like, oh yeah, it's going to be a little break, a little time, and then I was like, bang. So this, I guess, this week, I'm trying to like separate myself a little bit and just get a bit of perspective on you know where we're going what because you need I guess as a founder that time to kind of get your energy back because you've got a team Mm. of people that you've got to show up for and Mm. you know make sure they're inspired and yeah how I know you shared um we were organizing this and you're like I'm gonna do a meditation before I I was like yes I love that (laughs) um but what maybe on that you could just share some insights into as founders if they are experiencing you know overwhelm or burnout or whatever what what are some strategies that you use for your mental health and well rest as much as I can going to bed early um eating good food and you know avoiding too too many stimulants sleeping in if I need to like as much as I can and I just I guess I stop pushing myself like I just if I if I actually really need a break Mm. I take it because Mm. I need to and as a founder you're like the the captain of the ship like if you're not kind of in alignment with you know the vision of the brand Mm. I do notice like a staff member will start complaining or like it's just energetically you have to be Mm. in flow like you it's it's hard sometimes but it's also a good discipline Mm. to know that and to you know use that you Mm. know to make sure that you're not letting your emotions take control and you know Mm. I think I often do that talk about that in coaching and workshops that I run it's like the reality of running a business is it, there's going to be so many ups and downs and sleepless nights or tears or, you know, wins as well. And it's like um, if you if you allowed the emotion to run with mm-hmm. everything that happens, you'd be in like a yeah, you have hotness. You have to master your emotions <laughs> quite a lot, which is, I guess, what meditation is good for. And mm-hmm. I think, I, I don't know, I think being kind of able to – master your reactions to things and it's it's pretty important especially as a a business owner and even a a human on the planet like yeah it's it's an important skill which takes a while to to do authentically and I think that's like you you have to constantly be working on yourself as well you know it's like you can't just if you're working on the business solely unless you're in alignment and yeah solid well because my business has come from such a place of alignment mm-hmm. and flow when I'm not I can't access the same creativity which is vital for the business like mm-hmm. if I if I'm not in that flow and you know good headspace and stuff I can't be creative mm-hmm. so 
I guess my job now, since I've been a bit burnt out, is to try to get back into that flow and create a headspace so then ideas can flow in and mm. I can, you know, bring to the table unique yeah ideas yeah. i love that i love that. that's such a beautiful way to run a business you know it's, it's like, different yeah it is it's very challenging especially when you are sometimes confronted with like you know watching what other people are doing and you know trying to keep up yeah i guess i don't look at other people too much because it's just taking away energy from what you're meant to be doing like if i'm focusing on you know your because your intent what you're focusing your energy on which is probably what you teach people mm. is what's you know going to manifest in your life so i have to be really careful with what i'm focusing on what i'm thinking you know what i'm creating because your thoughts are kind of creating which yeah so that i guess that's the practice yeah. it's like working that. out what you want and then kind of yeah I don't know. Yeah. Vibrating with that. It's it's uh, hermetic kind of yeah. magic. So may, like how how is your um practice and or how did having a baby shift that journey for you? Like how is obviously you had nine month you have a nine month old. Yeah. <laughs> um so that's a massive journey of being like the sole chocolate maker and mm. you, you also work with your partner, he's in the business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how has how has that journey of coming into motherhood shifted um, you as an entrepreneur? It has shifted things dramatically. I think when I when I first found out I was pregnant, I was like, okay, so I've got to like really restructure this because I can't be working in the kitchen thirteen hours a day, like even being pregnant. So when I first found out I was pregnant, I was like, okay, Jesse, you are now the the head chocolate maker, which is my husband. And we started, we, we had, a, I think we had a couple of people working for us, but we were like, okay, we've really got to focus on finding a, a good team that are going to support us through this, which was really awesome actually. And it's helped us grow the business without taking too much stress. I mean, taking on too much stress for myself and having some time with my baby. But um, yeah, so I guess it made me delegate, learn to delegate and also learn to kind of disconnect myself a little bit from the brand. Because I had to think about the, my, my incoming baby. And then when he was born, I took a couple of months off. Like I was still answering emails and I was still being quite obsessive and, you know, not letting go of control of everything. <laughs> Though, uh, yeah, it's, it has, it has been challenging to balance being a mother and a business owner. Though I'm getting better at it, I would say. Did you have, so obviously, like, you prepped, you knew, you know, the beauty of having a baby, you have nine months preparation. Yeah. Um, so what were some of the things that you had to delegate and get rid of? So what I did do was I worked like a crazy person the whole time I was pregnant because I, I set up kind of products that were going to be released when he was born so they could kind of tie us over you know, until I felt creative again. So I had, we, we introduced some new lines. We introduced our holy cacao, which is like a hot chocolate powder, which was a little bit um, less taxing on our team. So it was a little bit easier to make, which was, which was great. And then it was also going to boost sales. So yeah, we, I guess I, I did have a bit of strategy around it, but it was kind of more like I was just doing it and not thinking about it too, too much. And it seemed to have worked well. Mm. And yeah, I guess 
I've put in so much work with the business. I feel like now I'm kind of like, okay, I've done my hard yards, not forever, but I've put in like so many hard yards that I'm now having a little bit of a breather just to kind of like connect with my son and be he's my number one priority. So yeah, the hard yards are now kind of like paying off, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, because I did, I worked so many years for so many hours. So mm. I've, and I've had to step back and also training people so um, getting really clear on like our the way we're going to talk to customers and I, I wish I had some sort of operations manual that is something I'm planning to do <laughs> though yeah hiring the right people to kind of step in with the right skills and the right um, energy and you know the right vibe so that they're, they're treating the customers like like I would that's mm-hmm. really helped um, how big is your team now so there's seven of us yeah, amazing. And are they chocolate makers as well, or is they? Um, yes, there's a few people. The main chocolate maker is my husband Jesse. He does. He makes every single recipe, mm. which has been hard because he's always at work, and I'm. Lennon's basically also growing up in the in the chocolate factory. We have like a little play pin there and everything, and yeah, then we have a few other stuff making the chocolate. But Jesse still, um, I guess, makes every recipe because he's the one that has all the intellectual property mm. and was he what was he his background his background he had worked in a few different food businesses yeah. um over the years but he's also an architect so i don't know and he's also kind of really determined and driven probably and likes formulas likes formulas yeah. likes building and design and stuff but also really likes food so chocolate and he wasn't really i don't know when, when we met he he didn't really have a path so well, he had his own path, but he wasn't really dedicated to anything. And then when he, when we met, he came on board with Local Love. Mm. And then it, it's kind of gone from strength to strength from then because mm. I don't have to make everything so I can focus on, you know, other things, mm. marketing, branding, um, new products, all yeah. that kind of stuff. But, yeah, having a baby and a business is definitely challenging. Mm. Yeah, but it's also really good because if you do need a day off, you can kind of like – you can kind of be on your own schedule. So the baby goes to bed at 10 o'clock, oh, 10 o'clock 8 o'clock or whatever. So you have from 8 to 10 to reply to emails or, you know, that kind of stuff, do recipe testing. Like sometimes we're up doing recipe testing at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, yeah. you know, at night after he goes to bed to try and, like, perfect these new recipes we have that are kind of – we've asked a few recipe developers and they're like – uh, you're you're searching like for something that doesn't exist and we're like yes we need to create it so yeah. um yeah i think determination has been the main i guess reason. it's kind of nice that you get to both be in the business as well and mm. you know shuffle it and you at least understand um what it takes to build the business because you're both in it yeah i think uh i think as the founder you we have a different strengths i guess and i I still carry a lot of the load, mm. which is which is hard sometimes, but I guess that's what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, and making all the decisions, it would be, yeah, making all the decisions when you have a baby and you've got baby brain is has been the most challenging thing because mm. I'm finding it hard to be fully present in decision-making mm. and making good decisions has been challenging. And they're, just, you, they're taking you, a little bit longer to make since having... I'm being a bit more like careful. Yeah. 
Is I know that mums don't like giving tips, but I get asked questions all the time about how do you manage a business when you've got kids, and personally I don't, so I'm going to make you answer the question. <laughs> um, but like, it, and it can just be purely from your own perspective. Um, is yeah, is there any tips around? Like, is it just giving yourself grace and allowing it to take a little bit of extra time and and just surrendering to it being a bit slower? Or like- uh, yeah, definitely. Especially if I think for the first twelve months, you you have no choice. Like the baby's crying, you're on a phone call. Either like you basically you have to step back. Like you can't you can't be what you were for now. Mm. And I've just had to accept that. And it, it is frustrating sometimes. You know wanting to do something and then just not being able to. Um, but, yeah, tips-wise, give yourself a break <laughs> because it's you do, you're doing your best and, you know, it's, it is – I feel like women do have a lot of pressure on them these days and I probably put that mainly on myself. Though, yeah, and also I, I be careful about my wording around it, so I never use the word juggle. So I'm always saying like I'm balancing it, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm, I'm I'm I think words are quite powerful, so I try and be careful with my words. Mm-hmm. Though, yeah, I've just I've just had to surrender, surrender, yeah, and just go with whatever it is, and also. Um, not make any too many big decisions at the moment but the weirdest thing is since Lena was born we've been busier than ever and yeah I guess it's gotten a little bit out of hand <laughs> like maybe our customer service has been a little bit relaxed mm-hmm. and not as you know good as it should be mm-hmm. though a lot of you will notice a lot of people are really understanding because you know they have children themselves and they understand and we're lucky to work with such amazing other businesses that aren't too demanding and you know they know what it's like so they have compassion which Mm. I'm really grateful for that yeah that's nice I've had lots of coaching clients and people through Instagram saying how like expressing how hard it's been to you know get into a routine of being like all right I have Thursdays when the kids are at school Mm. or whatever and um, not even being able to get a nanny in or um, support and losing that freedom yeah Um, yeah. yeah, I'm still learning. Like I'm still, I'm still learning. We do have a little bit of support with um grandparents, mm. so that definitely helps. Like I wouldn't be able to be doing this podcast mm. if my my mum's taken Lennon mm. for half a day. Mm. Also, my mum actually works in the business, mm. but she has a very, I guess, demanding position within the business as the dispatch. She does all the dispatch, mm. and so I I I kind of didn't work that one too well because she was meant to be kind of coming on to help with Lennon but now she's got this really demanding position so I've got to kind of (laughs) rework that so she can help with Lennon a little bit more yeah though that definitely helps a lot so I guess yes if you can find any support anywhere and don't be afraid to lean on them you kind of have to like (laughs) we wouldn't we definitely wouldn't have gotten through so I feel really grateful that we have that kind of there nice so it looks like you're doing well. I know. I know you're expressing how hard it is and stuff, but you you look fabulous. <laughs> you're still glowing. <laughs> Must be the chocolate. Maybe. <laughs> um, so let's jump into. I know you're even just um, sharing then about um, stockists or, or people that companies that you work with that are compassionate and stuff. How have you chosen? Um, you know the people that you surround yourself with. I know that um, we chatted to Laura a few 
few weeks back and I think she, her studio is near yours. Yeah, next door. Um, yeah. But it feels like there's a really nice vibe of um, great people who are building really conscious, beautiful businesses as well. Yeah, I think that has really helped me as an entrepreneur and also helped the business. I think a lot of businesses and a lot of friends started businesses kind of at the same time. And so we've kind of, we've got a really great community. I'm a big believer in only working with people who are on the same page as you and, you know. Well, we do only work with people that are on the same page as us because or else they don't really get the brand. Like you can't sell something to someone who doesn't, they don't understand it. And I guess I, I am lucky to be part of a community of friends, but they've all, they've also become, you know, closer friends because we're both, you know, we're, we're trying to do the same thing so we can call each other and not that we, any of us really have that much time to talk to each other, but say Laura is um, next door. So we do run into each other every day and we do have a little bit of a chat about the struggles and, you know, what we're doing here and, you know, how much tax we're going to pay. And like, it's, it's a pretty funny conversation, but we've also known each other for a really long time, studied fashion together, like way back. So, and I think I've just been really, I don't know if it's luck or just, yeah, I don't know, just attracting like-minded people into, mm. into my life. It's like it's almost like that alignment, you know. It's like as you're doing what you love and you, I think, you know, that vibrational match of like anyone who tries to penetrate what you're doing and your passion and your purpose mm. and if it's not, they're not in alignment or they're, you know, then it's it's easy to be like, well, I think it, sometimes I know in my experience and a few other clients that I've worked with have been like, the moment you let your guard down and, or maybe like, you know, um, stray a little bit from your passion and your purpose and maybe you agree to work with someone or do a job or something. Yeah, it falls apart. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I think I haven't done this on purpose though. It's mm. more – I'm pretty introverted, like really introverted. Mm. So I don't have – like I have a lot of acquaintances but I don't have a lot of um, friends and I guess I – I don't, I don't want to spend time with someone that I don't have anything in common with or, yeah, I like, I like to hang out with people who inspire me. Mm. And lucky for me, a lot of my friends do inspire me. <laughs> so I think, I don't know if that's been a conscious choice. It's just kind of, it is, mm. it's just like that. And I don't have a lot of time. So when I do have time, I spend it with, um, someone so we, we can, you know, bounce off each other and, you know, have, a good time because there's no there's not enough time to waste time with things that you don't believe in and but I think that's something that's just about who I am yeah Yeah. I I remember that moment where I was working nine to five and on startup creative one day a week and my whole friendship circle and everyone was at university or or doing jobs and as I moved more into startup creative my whole friendship circle changed into other women mostly in business yeah and just being like you know you just relate better as well I think yeah you can relate better that's changing now a little bit for me because a lot of because I've had a baby so a lot more friends now are mothers Mm. so and there's not a lot of people that have babies and have businesses Mm. as well so I'm trying to like I really have compassion for people in that situation and yeah, people in that situation don't have a lot of time to meet up and have a coffee, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm definitely calling in a few more people in that situation so we can, you know, share tips and let our kids play together and talk about our businesses and stuff. So yeah. And I think it's like, um, 
it becomes like your your new network and your new support and yeah yeah I'm not great at networking yeah. I'm not really I've never been one to use that word or yeah. I'm just for some reason it just makes me feel so uncomfortable because it definitely I'm just, has a stigma to it yeah but yeah. it's always coming up like networking I'm like oh no <laughs> I'm just yeah I'm just who I am and I guess that's been a strength for me but also a weakness mm. because I can be quite you know, this is what I am, and if you don't like it, then sorry. And same with the brand. Like, I don't want to be, like, trying to sell my chocolate to someone who just doesn't get it. Like, yeah. I can't be like, okay, this chocolate's going to change your life and blah, blah, blah. And if they just don't like chocolate, there's – I can't do anything about it. Like, yeah. I love that, though. I think I, I, I think it's not that you have to consciously choose it. I think that you need to know your own values, your own worth, your yeah. own vision enough, and then have strong boundaries. Pretty much. Yeah. But I think, yeah, for me, knowing knowing myself and what I want and, but yeah, not being too strategic or convoluted, trying to, you know, map it all out. I'm just being myself, doing what I do, and then whoever comes in and out, that's yeah, that's how it is. How beautiful that you've been able to create a business that's an extension of you and that you get to um, drive it from a place of your own inner knowing too. Yeah, well, that's that was – I, I had to do that. Like since I was ten, I just I had that's the path I had to follow. So mm. I didn't really have any other choice than to find something you know that I truly believed in. That was you know been making people happy. So chocolate was like it ticks so many boxes for me, mm. and you know it doesn't really leave an impact. We're going to be making our packaging compostable as soon as possible. We finally found a mm. great supplier, so it doesn't leave an impact on the earth. It makes people happy. Like obviously, it's not perfect, but. It's for me, it was like aligned with my values, and my values, I guess, are pretty strict. So, mm. yeah. yeah, I think it, no, it definitely shows. And it's also, I know I've got a lot of clients at the moment who are looking to build ethical or sustainable conscious brands that mm. are also doing good. And um, we hosted an event after the bushfires about how do businesses become more conscious and mm. sustainable for a long-term effect, not mm. just like the here and now, let's throw money at the bushfire relief. Yeah. And something that came out from those founders was like this really authentic truth in them that was like how do we make this business, how do we keep improving our sustainabilities? And I think yeah. you don't have to be perfect from the get-go. Well, it's pretty hard to be perfect like in any business because mm. this I've also struggled with this with business because – I've, I've, I'm trying to work out a better way to like operate in a company because obviously even in a company structure, it's just a little bit off. Like you're the boss and then there's people underneath you. Like not, it's not equal. And I have struggled with that. Maybe it's, you know, my own um, weakness that I don't want to be a leader. Though surely there's like a different way that business can be structured so it's a bit more like collaborative. fair and collaborative and, you know, because, like, obviously in the world, 1% of the, the world has all of the riches and then there's people suffering and, yeah, I think about this kind of thing way <laughs> too much and then try and bring it to um, my own business. Yeah, it's business is, is not, like, ethical in a way. Like, mm. it's to be perfect you basically can't exist. Which, yeah, go back to being on farms and But even then, and- like, it's still... Yeah, I, I just – the perfection, you can get too caught up in the perfection and, you know, that's why we didn't have packaging for so long because I was like, oh, I can't find something that's not going to – you know, that's compostable and yeah. isn't going to leave an impact. So I just – I didn't want to 
make packaging and we it held us back for ages and I was like okay I've just got to do this and we'll find it we'll find a good option and now we've found we've found a good option so I feel really good about that but um yeah you can't get too bogged down trying to be perfect because it's it's so hard to find like the the world is not structured and hopefully it can change one day and we hope to be part of that but yeah at the Mm -hmm. moment it's it's challenging do the best you can got to do the best you can yeah I love that so let's talk about where um, packaging and branding, like yours is so beautiful. I love your website. And I think that's also the, you know, for me as a, yeah, I like good food and I like um, beautiful things as well. And so um, to see something that's good for you, that tastes delicious and um, isn't full of crappy sugar and also looks beautiful, like mm. I think, you know, we're definitely seeing the world of, um, brands who are sustainable, ethical, or vegan, or whatever, who are starting to catch up on the, um, you know, the design front. Mm. How important, or you know, was what role did you know really investing in your branding and your look and feel um, play in the success of your business? I think at first we didn't have any branding. We didn't have a website for four years, which is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Though we still had a business and I'm still living off it. Though it's been such a huge, I guess, you know, step for us getting the right packaging. So no social media or anything? We had social media. Yeah, Yeah, we did have a website though, so you couldn't order online and (laughs) no one could find us. But we did have Instagram and so that's been a great tool for us, like hugely great tool. But we didn't know about EDMs and anything we were only just finding about that in the last year, which is kind of crazy. But the the look, I'm really obsessed with beautiful things as well and with branding and with design, with my fashion design background, I guess. And, yeah, it's it's hugely important. Like we – to be taken seriously as a business, you need to have, you know, a beautiful website, beautiful packaging. Yes, you can have a business without those things, but to take it to the next level, it's, it's vital. And for us – um, getting the packaging and the website, it definitely took it to the next level and it still is. And then people are, you know, people know your brand and then they, they see your logo and that. So it gets in people's heads and it's, mm. it's really important. Like you've got to have a really good product and really good branding and that kind of like those things combined really. Mm. And, and a good message. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a beautiful combo. Good branding, good products, good message winning winning combo it's so interesting it's like you said earlier in the podcast around doing it backwards yeah I did it backwards you really did do it backwards (laughs) I didn't really know anything about what I was doing I just kind of like was yeah winging it a little bit but I I learned along the way and I still don't I still don't claim to know anything really and I think being open to to always learning more and you know not thinking you know it all is actually a pretty good strategy in business I think that's such good advice it's like get in the game you know keep working on yourself keep giving um educating yourself and learn along the way and don't be afraid to to move and shift yeah you have to ask a lot of questions and learn a lot yeah because yeah if you I feel like that also holds people back in life like thinking they know it all and they, they don't like no one knows anything really like we have all these theories we think we know everything but yes there's strategy but strategies change also like the world's constantly changing especially at the moment so old strategies in business you know they're not working anymore Mm. I guess natural kind of laws are still always relevant which is what I base my business and my life on 
So yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think for you know what you said at the beginning, which is like that if when you make your business about your customer, yeah, and you the only thing that is really well, you know, a strategy, yeah, comes and goes, but what doesn't go if you're doing it right is customers who yeah. you know, and then you probably know this is they're the first people to want to give feedback. Oh, they love giving feedback, <laughs> good and bad. Yeah. Um, but. I love the feedback, even if it's bad. Like I want to know how we can make the, make the customers happy. Like what can we do better? Like please tell me. And and because I think because I'm open for that, people definitely tell me. Mm. And if you know if there's one little thing wrong, and it's like I don't know. It's we try our best sometimes, and it, it, the bad feedback does hurt sometimes. We we rarely get any, but occasionally we'll get a little bit, and, and it. Our worlds yeah. fall apart. But, you can um, have all the wins in the world and then one, like, slightly negative thing can crumble. Yeah, life, it's weird. Hey? It's hard to um, take it with a grain of salt. I definitely take it on board and I'm like, okay, we've got to get rid of that flavor. It's not working. Or we try and transform mm. the flavor. Like, we definitely take on feedback, mm. but maybe a little bit too much. Mm. Though we also, yeah, we want we want our customers to be happy. So that's yeah it's so important and we we like our customers so we want yeah yeah that's beautiful i love that as a a strategy for business or whatever (laughs) you call it yeah (laughs) so obviously there's lots of difficult things that happen um with the business and you know there's tears and learnings along the way maybe share some of the wins that you've had and you know some of those little light bulb moments or things that it's like oh my god it's all worth it i think I guess every time someone enjoys one of our chocolates is a win yeah. and every time someone buys one of our chocolates is a win. I I think I've been really – I guess I wanted – there was a few customers that I, I really wanted to stock with, Erewhon being one of them in, in LA, and they actually emailed us the other day, which was so awesome because – yeah, I, I didn't have to reach out to them. Like, we don't currently have the production capabilities to be able to um, follow that road. Though, I guess when when customers you're obsessed with contact you, that's definitely a really great feeling. Mm. And but yeah, wins. I think being able to to make a living off something that you you're passionate about is definitely a win. And as I never count my wins. I know. Is that really bad? <laughs> I never really think about them. I guess sometimes I, I, yeah, I never think about them. I think it's kind of what we were saying before, right? It's like there's no end to yeah, when you never... work for yourself. It feels like you, yes, you achieve little things along the way, but you always keep aiming higher or have a new vision or want to get better. Oh, there's been so many wins. Like I guess our, our first gift box, the lover's box, like when that arrived and it was this beautiful box and, you know, that was definitely an awesome moment. And every time we pack one of those boxes, it's just such a beautiful experience because I'm like, oh, we made this. Like it's got the little symbols and, you know, there's so much went into that box. Like I know it's just a box, a throwaway thing, but like it was – you know, that felt like a big achievement and our whole packaging range and, you know, just being busy, like being able to write what I guess my mom, she writes all the little love notes and I do too. I pack boxes as well, though, writing each card, writing people, you know, special messages and stuff. Like I love that we can be part of people's weddings and people's birthdays and all those celebrations. I really, yeah, it feels really good to be able to write, you know, you know, a love letter um to someone's partner or a sorry or something like it's i like that connection to to people and to play some part in 
yeah, that because human connection is is something that's really important to me, and I don't want us to lose touch with if technology becomes too prevalent. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And then in terms of like you, you know, obviously growing, and um, you have a, a beautiful and strong Instagram. Um, following but also so you're stocked globally but um we are we international distribution is something we're you know still finding Mm. we we do um have some stockers in the states i'm not i'm not up to date with all of our stockets just because so many came on since getting pregnant or not Mm. since getting pregnant since having the baby and i've just been a little bit out of touch and it's all gotten a little out of hand and we're trying to get a um, a handle on that now and you know create lists mm. and customers and you know we're it's implementing a some <laughs> it's a great problem to have but the systems mm. have been another steep learning curve <laughs> <laughs> like computer systems are quite challenging sometimes but uh, especially for the creative mind yeah it's not, not and, our strong suits <laughs> no but it, i'm not even that terrible at them it's just there's so many like interlinking things and yeah it's like mm. learning a new language and i've been getting frustrated with that since having Lennon. So I think I've been a bit bogged down in trying to sort our systems mm. out before we scale any further. We really need to get everything like refined and working perfectly. Yeah. Not perfectly, but working really well. Yeah. Mm. And so with, is there any secrets behind growing your reach? And like, I know you've obviously lent on a lot of people who, you know, been your friends and in, mm. in naturally enjoyed it as well. But how, yeah, any tips or tricks for our, our listeners about growing an Instagram or growing your reach or your... Um, I think yeah. you really need to be authentic. Like I think people know if if you're trying to be someone you're not. So I think Loco Love has always been really authentic in its tone of voice and the I guess because I'm still running the Instagram, writing every caption and everything, it still has this... I don't know. I think you need to connect with people. So mm. writing back to people's comments or people are going to be like, you never write back to my comments. But <laughs> <laughs> I do my You've best, guys. I do, I do my best. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think being authentic and also connecting with people. Mm. Like, and, yeah, beautiful imagery obviously helps. And, yeah, I don't, I don't have any – I'm not a marketing genius, but no, being, think, being authentic is, is really important. Yeah, and I the number of times people have – well, people ask me for advice on this and then I've been advised to do it of like outsourcing that stuff or like scheduling it. And I'm like, I've never yeah. been able to hand over my Instagram. No. Like it's, yeah. I'm I've tried. Saying. I've really tried to schedule posts and stuff, but it's just, that's just not how people work. No. Like you can't schedule three months in advance and expect to be like, yeah. I have to post, you know, in like, sometimes I sit there and I'm like, what the hell am I going to post? Like I ha- I've got, I've run out of things to say, but then don't post. Like mm. if you've got nothing to say, be quiet. Like it doesn't, or just, you can post a beautiful picture, but I think Instagram's changed now that people don't want to be constantly bombarded with too much. They want something that they actually engage with. Mm. So I guess, yeah, not, not my tactic, but I want, I want to be giving someone something that they care about or is actually going to help them or like might be I guess your your business is all about that yeah I think I mean I've got the same strategy we're using that word I feel like we threw that word out yeah it's become a dirty word um but yeah I think that's how I've always approached it is that 
Um, I mean, I used to get really caught up. I remember I had an operation a few years back and I was off Instagram and I gave it to a friend to do a takeover and was terrified of being kicked out of the algorithm and losing engagement. Mm. And then I got to this point where I was just like, if I, when I do post and I have something good to say, mm. that's going to cut through more than just posting something just because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm trying to play to Instagram. And people are so sick of being sold to mm. like, Oh, buy this, buy that, like that paradigm is not it doesn't exist anymore well for me like i just i can't handle just scrolling through and seeing you know people buy this like it's gonna do this like i feel like you have to connect with people a little bit deeper and yeah i guess i just watch what i engage with Mm. and then i don't know not copy it but be inspired by that and be like or Things just come to me some from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also that I feel like the common theme throughout this podcast interview has been like customers first, mm. like coming back to them and connecting with them. And like you've, you've shared that so many times. Which, which has been a lot harder since having a baby because I'm not fully available all the time. Yeah. And, you know, people do write to me at nine o'clock at night and, mm. you know, like I just, I just can't always be on like I was. And mm. I think that's been healthy actually because I probably was a little bit too available so mm. now, yeah, it's good to give myself a little bit some boundaries. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. And it's um, I, we might finish there with it with your number one top tip because you've shared so. I mean, you've shared lots of great wisdom and advice, and it's been incredible to hear behind the scenes. So, if you were to leave someone, they're sitting out there going, maybe I'll start a business, maybe I will give it a crack. What would be your number one piece of advice, maybe to you know? 2013 was that when you started 13 year old version of yourself what would you say I think you just if you're really passionate about it just never never give up just like work it out fine you can find anything on the internet as well like which has been quite helpful for me and in textbooks or someone that's done it before you like there's just the world there's so much information and knowledge but also make sure you know like I guess you've got to, you've got to have an idea that the world needs, mm. which I guess work out what the world needs and then what you you're good at, mm. and then yeah, what what puts you in that kind of flow state, which chocolate making did for me at the time, and yeah, there's I guess there's so many so many tips and tricks and books and this, but mm. you've just got to follow your own intuition and your own what you want not like what society wants of you because you'll never be happy. Like you have to work out what you want Mm. and also not overthink it too much at the same time. So Mm. just start. Yeah. And then don't give up. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I think that your, your story is so beautiful in that. And something I'm really passionate about is how do we get more people to drop out of who they think they're meant to be and what they Mm. think they're meant to be doing in the world and, you know, so many of us, I think, are sold the lie of like, you know, do this because it pays well or mm. because your mum did it or, you know, it's what you're good at. Yeah. And actually go, hang on, if I drop into my heart and, you know, be still and move away from it all, can I make something? Not everyone will want to, but can I connect with something and make something and put it out into the world and make money from it? Yeah. I guess with Loco Love it was never – about money I never considered money and now I'm making money and it's great (laughs) though it did take its time and money should never be the driving force for me personally I know a lot of Warren Buffett's and whatever (laughs) they speak really differently of that but like 
at the end of the day, this in the Native American thing, you, you can't eat money. Like, mm-hmm. and also it can't fulfill you like doing what you want to do can. And yeah, I, I think know. COVID's it's, really shown that. Hey, like I think I was listening to an Oprah podcast the other day and I think she was interviewing Alicia Keys and realizing that she, Oprah was saying like, um, everything that sets people apart right now like your status and mm. you know your cars yeah, and the clothes none of that exists anymore so who are you and it's all a facade really like yeah. it doesn't like i wish we weren't so like swayed by status and mm. all that which has been an amazing thing with this covid because we've, we've been able to connect more with people closest to us and our families and you know what really matters mm. which is your family your community and what your health, <laughs> what you do with your time, your kids, like I guess your garden, your mm. food, where your food's coming from. Like life's pretty simple really and mm. you don't need a lot to be happy, yeah. which I think people get really confused and they think they need all these things and to be all this and it's just not true. Like it's not, it's not a truth. And I think growing up in Byron and having, you know, a family that didn't have a lot definitely taught me that and I don't think there's anything wrong with having absolute mm. abundance and, mm. you know, heaps of money. But I also think – that um, people with a lot of money should learn how to share. <laughs> um, Life lessons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's like you see babies and they don't want to share. It's like we never quite got out of that <laughs> phase. Though, yeah, I don't know. I don't... Yeah, no, I think it's um, – it's, I think you can definitely see people who do who run businesses based out of that money, you know, that as the goal and, the goal, and you know, you can't. I don't think it's as easy to keep your customer front and center and also be. No, it's not. And you, you can't provide a good quality product if you're constantly cutting mm. like costs. Like you just can't do it. Like also with this COVID with the, you know, the cost of ingredients have, mm. have gone up quite a lot. Mm. So we have to, you know, take that mm. as a hit and just kind of ride with it. But yeah, it's. And did yeah. you have investment along the way? Like no investment. Just all self funded through. Yeah. Yeah, not even from parents or anything. Wow. But that's a good thing about my business because it was like make it, get paid the next day. And yeah. then slowly, slowly we – yeah, we have we didn't really have a lot of money until – we don't have heaps of money now, but we definitely are, you know, making an income, which mm. is amazing. And, you know, I I think that money is, is, a, is a weird thing. People mm. have all these strange ideas of what money is, but to me it, it is – and energy and Mm. you know I do feel abundant Mm. and I like deep down subconsciously somehow I flipped that switch maybe a few years ago I think there's that whole mentality of like if you do what you love you'll never work a day in your life you definitely work (laughs) work it won't feel like I think it's like the the money or the you know career title starts to fall away yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're like, it doesn't matter. I'm doing what I love. Like, exactly. I'm going to get up and work my ass off. But yeah, it matters a lot less. Yeah. And yeah, you you can't be working for money. Like money's money. Like it's not happiness. Yeah. Like it's not. It doesn't. I do a lot of like Dr. Joe Dispenza's stuff, and he, you know, you do a meditation and you're manifesting and and calling in more of what you want. And mm. and he's like, it's he actually guides you through 
holding the energy and the vibration and the vision of how you want to feel. Mm, I think that's more important. And that's what I've always done. Yeah. yeah, And it's like, that's the freedom. Yeah. (laughs) But then I had a baby. (laughs) (laughs) I can't take that one back. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that's it. It's like where I, it's not that we want money. It's what we want money. Yeah. How money will make us feel or what money can buy for us that will make us feel. But you you can already feel that. You have access to that right now. It is so hard, I guess, for people to get out of that lack state and trust like it it's scary you know you've got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing that people need to learn and I definitely had to learn along the way and it was it's a great lesson and it's that is beautiful transformative for me so oh game-changing lesson too because I think that's where people don't do what they want to do yeah don't follow their dreams or that or they're, they're too scared to even ask the question of what it why am I here and, you know, where you started? Why am I here and what can mm. I do for this planet? Mm. Because it, it means that you're going to have to fall away from all of your certainty and sometimes security. And Yeah, I guess for me, um, yeah, I never, I never really had a lot of fear in me anyway, though, like, there, there is nothing to be afraid of. Like, I guess I always thought about the, the worst thing that could happen. I'd end up, you know, on the doll or something and so that to me that wasn't so bad which you know like I don't really want to take advantage of the system or anything but like you can't you can't fail like we live in a country it's a I mean we have people all over the world listening but in Australia we're very lucky we're so lucky yeah. to have a system that supports people yeah no matter what totally most of the time and so you I guess I don't know if that's a good way to look at it that you can't fail but for me that really helps me drives me forward because I'm like oh okay well the worst is that and that doesn't sound that bad yeah and I think also you need to be happy where you are like you need to be happy with what you have now like it's so important to not be striving for some external happiness because it doesn't exist and like we've heard you know people that have millionaires and Jim Carrey maybe shouldn't mention Jim Carrey but lots of people saying that but it's it's true like it's so true you if you're not happy with where you are now you're never going to be happy like you have to be grateful and you know count your blessings and I think that's also that really helped me like just being like okay this is where I am and that's okay and tomorrow I can do this to right now I can change in any moment you've got the ability to kind of choose the next thing which is is amazing Or, or you can choose to you know, not get out of bed or whatever. Like, you have a choice. Everyone, especially in Australia, everyone has a choice. Yeah. Maybe not in other countries. And yeah. I'm sorry that that's what it is. But yeah, yeah. and I, th- yeah. I think that's beautiful ending to it as well. Of like, yeah, you're not stuck. If you want something and you want it bad enough, you can make it happen. Yeah, and yeah, you'll. Well, for me, I reached a point where I was like, okay, I'm stuck with myself, and <laughs> I'm responsible for my own life. And I can't blame anyone else. I think the world needs to come to that realization and stop blaming the government, blaming this, blaming that. Like it's just such a circle that goes nowhere being a victim. Mm. And for me that transformed my life where I was like, okay, I'm solely responsible for my own happiness and I've got to, I've got to make this work. Like I've got to, I've got to work it out. I have no other choice. I either die or disappear or something or (laughs) – yeah, I, I have. I had to make it better. Yeah, I, and so true because it's like I know I that was the thing that made me start my own business is that I was in full victim mindset of like poor me, this mm. job sucks, mm. and I have to commute to work, and 
all that. And the moment, like, it's it's quite confronting, but the moment that I flipped the switch into you're the creative, your reality, yeah. and no one's coming to save you. No one's coming to save you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no one. No, and you're also bringing other people down by being like that. Mm. And also I think being the opposite sometimes shocks people and they're like, oh, I could, oh, like we're people, we could. Yeah. Like I wish that would, you know, have a global kind of – impact where people weren't being a victim to the government and weren't mm. like it's oh, just... they're a victim to yourself like you know even so I had an argument with my girlfriend the other day I was like you didn't make me coffee <laughs> <laughs> I was like and I remember I went for a surf and I was like yeah no like it's the same mindset that I slipped mm. back into yeah being it's a easy to slip back and into. it's like if you can if nothing else you can just shift your mind to being like, I'm not a victim. Yeah. I'm responsible. What am I doing? What What can I do for myself? Yeah, and what can you do for others? Like, yeah. I, I guess as above, so below, what you do for yourself, you're doing for others. Like, it's just mm. so, yeah, it's so it's so important. Everything starts with you and, yeah. you know, how you're going to show up. Like, it just, it does. And, yeah. and I yeah. think when you operate from that place, especially running a business, it can only return positivity, like it, because well. it's. Uh, I think it's like that's the thing, right? It's like if you if you set out to serve someone, I genuinely think that you're going to get rewarded for that. Yeah, if you're if you're offering something of value, that's not yeah. some selfishly selfish thing, just like covered in selfless clothes. Yeah, which I think a lot of brands do that, but like if it comes from a genuine subconscious place, like yeah, authentic truth. Yeah, mm, totally. Thank you so much for sharing your story and being so open and honest with us. And congratulations Thank on everything you. that you've achieved. And I look forward to seeing what you do next. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, I hope you all enjoyed what we spoke about. So yeah, thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the Startup Creative Podcast. If you get a chance, head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified every time there's a new podcast up. See you next week.